Come on, let's make some noise for Jesus this morning. I feel like we've done pretty good so far, but we need to raise the level of our praise a little bit. Come on, let's give him a really good praise this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We honor your presence in the room today. Thank you for being here, because if you are here, that means anything is possible. And so it doesn't matter what our need is this morning. You have the ability to meet it with your power. You are an awesome God. So we honor you. We reverence you today. Thank you for being here. And uh, we pray that everything you want to do in this room today, that we allow you the freedom to do that in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Are you happy you're in the house of God today? I feel so excited to be in the house of God today, and I I feel really excited to be here in this house. This place means so much to my wife and I. Uh, Your pastors mean the world to us. They've been our friends for a long, long time. I'll never forget when I was just starting in youth ministry and I was scared out of my mind. I really did not want to be a preacher. I didn't want anything to do with church at all. But I felt the call of God, and I was trying to respond the best I knew how. I was making a lot of mistakes, and I sat in this parking lot for probably three hours with Pastor Matt with a conversation we had, and it changed my life. And, and I'm really grateful just for everything that you mean to us. Um, can you make some noise this morning for your pastors? We're so, so blessed by your lives. And Rachel, I feel like you are partly responsible for Monica and I because you talked us both out of some really stupid decisions <laughs> when we were younger. Thank you as well. We're also grateful, Pastors Wayne and Margaret. Thank you so much for what you mean to us. Our family has been totally changed and impacted by you. My dad talks years ago about how he walked into a room and heard you speaking for the first time and your teaching and your ministry and your lives have, have made us better. And I think the church as a whole, not just this church, but I think the church as a whole across the world is better because of you. So thank you for who you are. You mean the world to us. I want to preach. So if you could go to Acts chapter 16, I feel like preaching today. I, I, uh, I tried for a long time to be really chill and I just realized that is not my nature. So at some point, You might see sweat come through this shirt, and I might yell a lot. I'm not angry. (laughs) I'm really happy. I just have a lot of passion for the Lord and for his word, and and I want to share something with you today that I think is going to help you. I want to talk to you today about five things every follower of Jesus needs. Five things every follower of Jesus needs to follow the will of God. How many of you in this room are interested in the plan that God has for your life, the will of God for your life. So I want to go to Acts chapter 16. This is an interesting story to me. I'm going to start in verse 6. This is what, this is what, this is what the Bible says. In verse 6 it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Missy and went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to 
preach the gospel to them. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We believe that you have something to say to us. We believe also that it's your intention that when we come to the house of God, that we leave this place different than how we came in. Even in the Old Testament, the scripture teaches us that when they would enter into the east gate, they couldn't leave through the east gate. They had to leave through another gate because it's always been your design that we would leave the house of God different than how we came in. And so we believe today that you are here to change our lives. And we thank you for that in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you today about opportunities, because I think for some of you, your greatest struggle Your greatest adversity is not going to be sin or the obstacles that come your way or the storms that you face. I think for many of you, as you start to follow Jesus, your greatest enemy is going to be your opportunities. I think all of us have a built in. It's almost genetic in us that we know how to survive. We know what to do when things get bad. We know what to do when things get dark. It's almost like we have an instinct that teaches us how to survive, but we don't instinctually know how to thrive. When you look at the people in scripture, what you start to realize is they knew who to turn to when things got difficult. But when God would turn the situation around and begin to bless them, that's when they started to lose their mind. It was never the difficulty that really was their challenge. It was when God blessed them and God redeemed them and God saved them and rescued them and put them on the right path. Then they started to lose their way because they found it difficult not to manage seasons of difficulty, but they found it difficult to manage the blessing. In Exodus 1 and 12, you see that the same Israelites that grew under oppression got stuck in the blessing of freedom. I heard someone say this years ago, they said, passion is what you love to do. Talent is what you can do. But purpose is what you are supposed to do. And it takes someone who is full of the spirit of God to submit your passion and your talent to God's purpose. And when I look at this story, I think, God, why wouldn't you let them go? I mean, Paul's desire is to go into these regions and preach the gospel. They wanted to go into Asia. They wanted to go into these other spaces. But the spirit of Jesus himself resisted them and said no. It's amazing to me because I think if you're not careful, you will think that every problem that arises in the earth is your responsibility. And especially in the day we live in where you have access to so much information, it can almost become overwhelming for a believer who wants to help, who wants to change things, who wants to fulfill purpose. You can almost think that it's impossible for you to do anything because there are so many things that need to be done. But this story reminds me that not every problem is my responsibility. Is there anybody in the room just grateful today that not every issue is your issue? Not everything that's happening in the earth is your problem to solve. But you have also been created to solve a problem. You are actually the answer to somebody's prayer. You are the answer to a problem that has arisen in the earth. You exist for a reason. Like God designed you and created you to solve a problem. And it's not every problem, but it is a problem. And if you're not careful, you'll get caught up like, Paul, I just want to preach. And it's amazing to me that God's like, no, I don't want you to go there. It's not that God doesn't want those people to hear the gospel. He's just trying to teach Paul what Paul's purpose is for his life. And he says, don't preach there. Don't go there. Because your calling is not just about 
what you are supposed to do, but your calling is also about where you are supposed to do it. I've heard all my life, man, Robbie, you should go to another city. Man, you should, what are you doing in Johnson City? Such a small little town. And your gift is too big for Johnson City. And I'm just like, you don't understand the call of God. Because if you did, you would understand that my calling isn't about my gifting. My calling is also about where I am supposed to do it. And I could gift-wise, go do it anywhere I wanted, but the hand of God wouldn't be on it. The wind of God wouldn't blow on it. The spirit of God wouldn't bless it. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you have moved and you followed money and realized I followed the wrong thing. I should have been led by the spirit. So I want to help you this morning because sometimes the more gifted you are, the greater the calling on your life, the more difficult clarity becomes. And even through the life of Jesus, we look at Jesus and we realize that just because he could do things doesn't mean he should do them. Remember, he's getting ready to die on the cross and he says, hey, if I wanted to, I could call for a legion of angels and they would come right in this moment and bear me up. But it must be done this way in order to fulfill the scripture. So I came to talk to some people who I believe this morning are interested in fulfilling the purpose of God. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to just make a difference. I want to make my difference. I want to do the thing that God created me to do. Number one, let me give you these five things. Number one, you need a relationship with God that exceeds your passion and your talent. If you don't have this, you'll be driven to walk through every open door. The Bible says here we tried to go through, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let us. In Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, the Bible teaches us there that Jesus, he was full of the Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So watch this. Jesus, full of the Spirit, was led by the Spirit. Why is this important? Because whatever you are full of, you will be led by. Whatever you are full of, you will be led by. If I'm led by my passion, I will follow my passions. If I'm led by my talent, I will follow my talent. If I'm led by money, I will follow money. If I'm full of self, I'll be led by my self. Money will drive my decisions. Pride will drive my decisions. Greed will drive my decisions. But again, I'm not just looking for an opportunity in life to use the things that God has gifted me to do. I'm trying to fulfill my purpose. I don't want to just make a difference. I want to make my difference. Number two, you need humility. Listen to what, listen, listen to what, listen to the humility that Paul has here. Because if you look at the life of Paul, if anybody had the ability to do what they wanted to do, go where they wanted to go, say what they wanted to say, you're looking at a man who was highly skilled, Highly trained in the scriptures. But Paul, as highly skilled as he was, historians believe he was, he he spoke about seven different languages. Paul himself tells us that he was trained by Gamaliel, who was the most prolific teacher of the law in that day. A Jewish man, but a Roman citizen, familiar with Jewish law and Roman culture. A Hebrew of Hebrews. (laughs) one One of the most gifted people you could ever think of. But it wasn't his gift that led his life. Paul's greatest contribution to Asia was not his preaching. Paul's greatest contribution to Asia would be his writing. So Paul made it to Asia. 
He just didn't make it to Asia the way he thought he was going to make it to Asia. And I love Paul because Paul wasn't married to his method. And I think there are a lot of people who are who they want to serve God, but they 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 develop such a deep relationship with the way they want God to use them that they never open themselves up to all of these other things that God wants to do in their life. And so they're led by their gift. I want to be used by God, but I want to be used by God in the area of my gifting. I want to be used by God, but I want to be used by God in an area that I'm passionate about. But if you follow always your passion and your gifting, sometimes you will miss out on a God who doesn't want to use you in the area of your gift. Why? Because he gets no glory from your gift. He gets no glory from your strengths. He only gets glory from your weaknesses. And so sometimes we have to offer God the weak areas of our lives so that he can come in and show himself strong and then he gets the glory and then people see God. But if we're always used in the area of our gift and our talent, then most of the time people only see us. So we have to come to God and say, God, I, I want to be used by you. And, and even if it's not in an area, because, you know, in church you have people who are like, well, I want to be used. And you're like, well, we really need help in kids. It's like, well, I don't feel called to kids. Nobody really feels called to kids. One of the reasons we come to church is for a free hour of babysitting of our kids. <laughs> but if you, if you want to be used by God, sometimes you've got to open yourself up to be used by God in places and spaces that you don't feel like are strengths and passions. And then he will open up something to you that you never realized. And God will do more through your weakness than he will your strength. My brother, who is preaching at home for us, my brother battled years of a prescription pill addiction. And when he got free, he's been free for almost 10 years now. And what's amazing to me is years ago, about three or four years after he got clean from that, he came to me and he said, Robbie, I've reached more people for Christ over the past three years of my life than the first 30 years of my life because I've allowed God to use me in the broken areas of my life and I've realized that what God does for me makes a way bigger impact than what I do for God. Come on, somebody. And so I just came to encourage somebody today. Maybe you're missing God because you are married to your method and God doesn't want to use your method. He wants to use you, but not your method. So you need the humility to recognize that and see that. Philippians 2 and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your interests, but the interests of others. In your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in an appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, watch this, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I love this because the Bible said he humbled himself and God gave him a name. 
And I think if we're not careful, we will spend so much of our lives trying to make a name for ourselves that we don't allow God to give us a name. But I'm telling you, if you would humble yourself, God would give you a name. God wants to use you. God wants to make you great. God wants to do something profound in your life, something that people look at and say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can know what God has in store. But you have to humble yourself so that God can exalt you. And if you will humble yourself, God himself will give you a name. And how many people in the room would rather have the name that God gives than the name that you try to make for yourself? That's what I want. Number three, you need a vision. You need a vision. Now watch this. Paul twice tries to go into different regions. Twice he is resisted by the Spirit of Jesus. And the Bible says that after he obeys the Spirit, because he doesn't try to push through and do his own thing, after he obeys God, the Bible says that during the night he falls asleep and he has a vision in the middle of the night. Watch this. Sometimes the vision doesn't show up. Sometimes you don't get a picture of what God wants you to do until you are willing to say yes to what God does not want you to do. Sometimes it's, it's the ability to say yes to God's no that opens up the vision. <sighs> oh, man. We, we long to hear God's yes, and God wants to say yes. All of God's promises in Christ are yes and amen. But we also live in a culture that does not like to hear the word no. So very often we miss the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God also says no. Can't go there. Can't do that. Can't be a part of that. Can't live like that. Can't pursue those desires. And it's in saying no to the things the Spirit of God says no to that we're able to open our eyes now and see the vision that God has for our life. And so when you walk different than the world, when you live different than the world, when you say no to the things that the world is saying yes to, what you're really doing is you are opening up yourself to a fresh vision from heaven. You are opening up yourself to revelation from God so that he can come in and talk to you in a way that he couldn't talk to you before. You need a vision for your life. You, 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 uh, a vision shows up in my life when, when my relationship with God exceeds my passion, what I want. Passion is what I want. Remember, passion is what I love to do. Talent is what I can do. Purpose is what I am supposed to do. But most people settle in life for one of these. They settle in life for spending their life going after what they want. Or they settle for a life of doing what they can. And this does not mean that God will not use your passions or your talent. It just means until those are submitted to him, what you want, what you can do, until those things are submitted to him, you will not have vision. You can have a vocation. You can even have a living, but you won't have a life. You won't have the Zoe kind of life. You won't have a God kind of life. Let me tell you something about vision. Every vision requires three things. Foresight, insight, and oversight. Foresight is like looking through a telescope. It's, it's, the, it's the dream. It's the big idea. That's foresight. Insight 
is like looking through a microscope. It's wisdom that you need for the plan, for the vision. But it also needs oversight. Oversight is like looking at an architectural drawing. It's, it's the plan. And you know where you get all three of these? In the house of God. So for the vision that you have for your life, you need more than a vision board. You need a church family. Because it's only in the context of church family that the vision that you have for your life gets the necessary foresight, insight, and oversight. Number, number four, you need provision. Everything that God is calling you to do is going to cost something. It's going to cost money. It's going to potentially cost relationships. It could cost you your reputation. It could cost you, it could embarrass you. God is going to ask some of you to do things that are completely out of your comfort zone, completely out of your financial ability, completely out of your, the, the constructs and confines of your education and ability. Some of the stuff God is going to ask you to do, you didn't go to school for. You didn't plan for. You didn't prepare for. But he's going to use you in a way that's going to require provision. Let me show you how you find provision for the vision that God gives you. In verse, verses 11 through 15, the Bible says that one day, Paul and his friends, they go out to find a place to pray. And as they're going out to pray, the Bible says they run into this woman named Lydia. And Lydia becomes an interesting character in the church Lydia, the Bible says she's a seller of purple. She here opens up her home and provides for Paul and his companions. She would become an incredible woman in the community there in the book of Acts. She would be a place of provision, a place that would provide a home to meet in. She was a wonderful leader in the house of God, Lydia. But they don't run into Lydia looking for money they run into provision looking for a place to pray. And here's, here's what happens to so many of us if we're not careful in life. I've had so many people through the years who have come to me and said, you know what, Robbie, I just feel like God wants to do something in our family and I feel like he's moving us and we've got this opportunity over here and it's just, it's a better job, it's, it's a bigger title, it's more income. And I'll ask the question, hey, have you found a church? No, we just figure once we get there, God will show us. You don't find the purpose of God <laughs> looking for Lydia. You don't find the purpose of God looking for money, chasing down an opportunity. Remember, I told you, for some of you, the biggest obstacle to following Jesus is not going to be difficulty or struggle. It's going to be opportunities. It's you thinking that every door that opens to you, if there's money on the other side of it or promotion on the other side of it that you're supposed to walk through it but some of the doors that you walk through in Christ you don't walk through looking for money you walk through looking for a place to pray some people you run into you don't run into because you were looking for a connect you look you were looking for a place to meet with God and I just came to tell somebody this morning if you will if you will desire to meet with God like the psalmist said as the deer pants for the water so my soul longs for you he said when can I go and meet with God because if I can meet with God I can find everything that I need I'll find the provision I need I'll find the relationships that I need I'll find the connections that I need I'll find what I need, but not looking for what I need, looking for what I ultimately need, and that is relationship with Jesus. 
You can, you can, listen to, listen to me, please. You can know the Bible and not know the God of the Bible. You can know the church, not know the God of the church. You can know your pastor and not know the God of your pastor. Jesus said it this way in John 5, 39. He said, you search the scriptures because you think in them you find life. But what you don't understand about the scripture is that the scripture testifies of me. If you read your Bible and you're not looking for Jesus, you're missing the point of the Bible. If you're reading your Bible and you're just looking for information, you're missing the point of the Bible. We don't go to the Bible just for routine. We go to the Bible for relationship. We go to the word of God for an encounter with God. I'm not just trying to get life tips. I want Jesus. Because if I can find a place with Jesus, I can find everything I need in his presence. In his presence fullness of joy at his right hand what pleasure forevermore everything I need is in the presence of Jesus but if we're not careful we'll spend our life searching for the pleasures and joy outside of his presence and anything that we get outside of his presence we have to maintain but anything that we find in his presence he regularly gives and there's overflow and I'm never having to make it work because I didn't start it what did Paul say in Philippians he said he who began the work in you he will be faithful to bring it to its completion I'm not worried about my church today because I didn't start my church God started my church I'm not worried about my family because I didn't start my family God orchestrated this thing and put this thing together so I put my wife in his hands I put my kids in his hands now I got a grandbaby who I'm putting in his hands and I'm just saying God you started this I'm going to trust you to finish it because everything I start I have to finish man I need provision. You find Lydia looking for a place to pray. Prayer is great as a discipline, but prayer as an act of desperation is way better. Nobody in this room has to discipline yourself to breathe. Why? Because your body is desperate for air. Let me give you this last thought. You need relational discernment. So what do you need? Number one, you need a relationship with God that exceeds your passion and talent. Because you're trying to fulfill purpose. Number two, you need humility, right? Number three, what do you need? You need a vision. Number four, you need provision. Let me give you five. You need relational discernment. Another day they go out to try to pray. And when they go out this time, they encounter another woman. The Bible says that this woman, she's not like Lydia. This woman has this gift. She has this ability to predict the future. And the people in town are actually using this woman to profit off of her gift. Somebody in this room needs to understand somebody is profiting off of your bondage. And as soon as you get free, the church you attend becomes an enemy. I really get worried about churches that have like a perfect 5.0 
Google review. This concerns me. Like, you know, when you, when you look up a church and it, you see the church and you can click on their website and Google has like, it's amazing to me that you can review a church like you, you can review a restaurant. You know, I went today, you know, hard to find a parking space, you know, that, all that kind of stuff. I feel like, you know, they could have done this or this better, but overall, great experience. <laughs> like it's a movie you went to. But I do get really worried about churches that have like a perfect review on Google because it's like you haven't made anybody angry. There's not one guy who went on there and was like, you know, I just really I'm, I'm looking for me personally. If I was looking for a church, I'd be looking for a church with like a three point eight. You know, because you know they've gone, through, they've gone through some stuff. Some crazy people have left. Like, it's just had a whole, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a real church, not some, 5.0 just sounds like a cult to me. You know what I mean? Just like, just not, I don't feel, I just don't feel good about that. <laughs> because if your church is really impacting the community, then the people who are holding the people hostage in your community are not happy with you. Because if you're really making a difference, that means, that means prostitutes are getting saved. That means drug addicts and dealers are getting saved. That means people that are profiting off of bondage in your community are coming out of bondage and being set free. And now the community is angry with you. I would just be very weary of a church that everybody loves. That sounds creepy to me. Give me a church that's got some people that are angry because of the change that's taking place in the room, that's frustrated because people are being set free and delivered and the people they used to be able to profit off of and take advantage of are coming into a community and finding Jesus and finding hope and finding life. That's what I'm looking for. So this woman, she gets set free. <laughs> it's so funny because when she's following these disciples of Jesus around, she's following Paul and his friends around. The Bible says she's Saying this, she's going, these are men of God, sent by God, here to tell you how to be saved. That sounds really good to me. That doesn't sound like a bad thing. But one day Paul gets so upset with her, the Bible says that he turns and he actually rebukes her and casts the devil out of her. This is why you need relational discernment. Because if you're not careful, someone can be saying all the right things, but have the wrong spirit. And if you're really going to follow the will of God for your life, you cannot be so emotionally insecure that you don't recognize that somebody might be saying the right things, but they have the wrong spirit. And some of y'all are connecting yourself with people that are saying the right things because you need somebody to tell you how great you are. And the thing that is really holding you up and progressing in the will of God is you have connected yourself to people who won't tell you the truth about you. They tell you what you want to hear. But Paul had enough confidence and relational discernment to say, this woman, she's saying all the right stuff. But man, she's got the wrong spirit. I tell you what, if somebody would have come along in my 20s and followed me around and said this, I'd been like, yep, you're going to be, anybody know what an armor bearer is? You can be my armor bearer. You know, go ahead and tell people I'm a man of God because I needed that validation. But as you follow God and you grow in the Lord, you realize that not everybody that 
says the right thing has the right spirit. So you need a relational discernment that matches the level of the call of God on your life. Because sometimes you're going to go to pray and you're going to meet Lydia. But sometimes you're going to go to pray and you're going to meet this woman full of the devil. This is what happens when you have a vision and no values. It's what happens when you're following your dreams instead of God's dream. You do know this, right, that Jesus did not die to give you the American dream. The American dream is not God's dream. Jesus died to give you his dream for your life. And sometimes his dream doesn't look like, you know, a perfect house with a picket fence and a dog named Barney. It, it's messy and it's difficult and it's a struggle and it's a trial and it's painful. But man, I'm telling you, what you want more than anything is God's dream for your life. I don't want to just make a difference. I want to make my difference. Why is this so important? Robbie, why are you even talking to us about this today? Because look at the end of this story. Paul and his companions, the Bible says, they're on their way to Macedonia. All this happens to them. And because the town gets so angry with them, they actually get arrested and thrown into prison. And one of the most famous stories in the entire Bible is found right here, where Paul and Silas are in prison and around midnight, they're singing hymns to God and they're praising God. And the Bible tells us that an earthquake hits this region and that the prisoners, their chains fall off and the doors in their prison cells open up. Now, watch this. This is not just about these prisoners being set free. I want you to know how important your life is to the plan that God has. The Bible tells us that an earthquake happens. It does not tell us that God made the earthquake happen. If you know anything about this region, you understand that they actually have a lot of earthquakes. This region has had about seven in the past year that have registered almost 5.0 on the Richter scale. Earthquakes are common for this region. So this isn't an earthquake that God caused. This is a regular occurrence in the story. Watch what happens when the earthquake happens and the doors get open and the shackles come off. The prison guard, the Bible says, gets ready to get a sword and take his own life. But Paul says, hey, 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 there's no need to do that. Everybody is still here. Nobody's left. And it gives Paul an opportunity to share the gospel with this man. Shares the gospel with this man. His family hears the gospel. His entire family gets saved. This is how important it is that you follow the will of God. Because not only is there a man in Macedonia crying out, come save us. There's also a prison guard who would have taken his life if you would have done your own thing gone your own way, followed your talent, followed your passion. But because Paul decided to serve the Lord, he was there. And all night, those prisoners were listening to Paul sing, listening to Paul praise God. And when the prison opened up, they turned and looked to see what Paul was doing. Now, if Paul isn't there, what happens? Those thieves, those murderers, 
They run. And that prison guard, what does he do? He takes his life. What happens to his family as they lose their provider and their father? Think about that. This is how intrinsically connected God is to every person on this planet. He has you in the earth, not to just fulfill your dreams, but there's a jailer somewhere in the path that God has designed for you. That's life is at risk unless you follow the call of God for your life. I wonder if you stand with me in this room today. This is so necessary for us to hear because sometimes the earth shaking isn't happening to harm us. Sometimes it's happening to set us free, but not to escape. Sometimes it's an opportunity to stay because if he leaves, that man dies. God is after someone. The ultimate realization that you have about the purpose of God for your life is that it is not about you at all. It's about this jailer. You realize that Acts 16 is not whether or not Paul gets to use his gift. It's, it's about this jailer. And sometimes if we're not careful, none of us will follow. None of us would really want to follow the spirit of God like Jesus into the wilderness. None of us would be like God's plan for my life is is a prison cell. (laughs) But look at what God does with a man and with a woman who are just willing to say, God, my life is yours. Here's my talent. Here's my gift. Here are my resources. Here's my influence. Where are the jailers? Where are the people whose lives would be lost if I don't follow your purpose. Anybody in the room today just want to throw your hand up in the air and say, God, I want to fulfill your purpose, not my own. I want to make a difference, but more than that, I want to make my difference in Jesus' name. So I wonder if you could bow your heads this morning and pray with me. Maybe there's somebody in this room today who would say, Robbie, I'm the jailer, man. I I feel far from God today. I feel disconnected from God. I Maybe you're in this room and you say, man, I've never given my life to Jesus. Or you're in this room today and you feel far from God because you've been going your own way. And you've not been following his purpose for your life. And so if that's you and you're in here today and you say, Robbie, I feel disconnected from God because I've, I've never put my faith in Jesus to forgive me and to cleanse me and to make me a new creature and to become Lord of my life. Or maybe you're in here today and you've been running from God. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three. And when I do, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air. And I believe in this moment that God is going to supernaturally change your life. Old things are gonna pass away. Things are gonna start to become brand new today in Jesus' name. If that's you, come on, one, two, three, throw your hand up in the air. I see your hands all over the place. Awesome. Come on, throw it up real high so we can see you. I'm coming home today. I'm giving my life to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church, can we pray this prayer with everybody in this room today? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer, and I'm just going to ask you to say it with me. Let's all say this together, especially if you lifted your hand today. Let's say this. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you my life. Take all of it. Have your way. Use me for your glory.
I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church family. Can we put our hands together? Come on, let's put our hands together and bless the Lord. Heaven's rejoicing. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Any, any followers of Jesus in the room today just want to say, God, I'm all in. I'm following you wherever you want me to go. Take me to the wilderness. Take me to a jail cell if you have to. I just want your purpose to be fulfilled in my life in Jesus name father we thank you thank you that you would use us to do anything for you help us to stop getting so caught up in the thing we want to do that we miss the thing that you want to do we're just honored and humbled that you the God of heaven and earth would say I want to use your life so thank you for that today And we respond by saying, God, have your way in us, through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, I love you. Thank you for having us. God bless you.